I said good day, sir. You don't ever plan anything around the eagles because the eagles represent the grace of God. Okay. You heathen bastards. What a vanilla nebbish name. Well, you know, orcs are people too. I'm thinking of that one cult that got taken out with one punch. So he's got a wall, okay. a gall, a gall, and a wall. Every time you mention the eagles, I think Don Henley. <laughs> to the real world. I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher and a part-time English teacher uh, from my home here in uh, Northern California uh, with a uh, two-year-old son who just tonight uh, got the opportunity to watch Big Hero 6 for the first time. And uh, the Baymax flying scenes were uh, very cathartic for him. He, he was amped nice. which was awesome but then it made it really hard to put him down for bed <laughs> so so fan parent win general parent uh draw maybe I don't it's know. still a win it's yeah, a good okay. reason to not have to be able to put him down yeah okay good yeah. point good point so who are you I'm Damien Harmony. I am a Latin teacher and a part-time uh, history teacher, world history teacher, up here in Northern California. Also teaching from my room, uh, not my classroom, my dining room, uh, recording all kinds of uh, content and grammar lessons for my students and uh, doing all kinds of Zoom meetings to make them feel more normal. Uh, and also trying to produce uh, two other shows uh, via Twitch, so I'll probably plug those at the end. Um, but, uh, all in all, uh, I'm also a parent of two, uh, little kids. Uh, one is 10 and one is almost eight. Um, neither of which I don't think has even seen big hero six yet. And we have the Disney channel, so we, See, we might be hitting that pretty soon. That's, that's one. I, I think, I think both of your kids would get a really big kick out of it. Nice. Um, well, they both really like tiny tunes and the pink Panther. So they're okay. big on slapstick. Okay, well, there's some of that there. Um, have Have you seen it? No. Okay. Um, highly, highly recommended. Okay. Um, yeah, it is in some ways, I think, a Ravenclaw's angle on a superhero movie. <laughs> that sounds fun. Um, yeah. And I know no, my it's, brother it's, likes it, so he's yeah. he's a good judge no. of uh, of taste. So yeah. Uh, so, uh, when last we talked, um, we didn't really get to the Twilight Zone, uh, because it's a Damien episode, so we never get to the thing I want to talk about right away. <laughs> well, number one, it's, it's, it's not, uh, we, we don't ever do that, number one, and, yeah. and number two, um, do you ever really get to the Twilight Zone on purpose, or does it just kind of envelop you? Well, normally, I open a door, and behind it, I find... Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a dimension, not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Yeah. You, you, you're familiar yeah. with it. Yes. Yeah. So picture, Portal if you Beckons. will, yes. beyond it. Yes. The twilight. Zone. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. That so many people do that. Noonie, uh, I always go do, 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 do. Like just different people have different sounds. It's kind of like some people stand up to wipe their butts. Some people stay seated to wipe their butts. <laughs> like it just like nobody yeah, teaches you how to do you it. Know, you just, you know, yeah. do the best you can with what you got. Uh, well, okay. So, so, you know, and, and, and thinking about that, 
kind of kind of related. You talk about nobody teaches you how to do that. Mm-hmm. So if I if I were to say to you that I saw a crazy man out in the middle of the street mm-hmm. with a rubber chicken strapped to his head. Uh-huh. How do you imagine the rubber chicken pointing? Uh, straight ahead, like true north, essentially, on top mm-hmm. of his head. Yeah. Um, and it's going north to south. Yeah. Fore yeah. and aft. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, there are there are roughly seventy or eighty percent of the population mm-hmm. who it's it's fore and aft like that. Yeah. And then there's twenty percent, twenty to thirty percent of the population for whom it's, go it's east to west sideways yeah. across the head. Yeah. Port to starboard. And uh and and you know, it's just a spontaneous like I, I think that's that's an an unused personality test criterion. I do like, believe that like Plato said something like this. Yeah. <laughs> behold a chicken or behold a man no that was diogenes <laughs> it was diogenes trolling him yes behold a man yeah but i would i would also point out though i think it was plato or it might have been aristotle i don't remember who but they said draw a table and nobody ever draws a table the same way it's the same kind of thing now here's a fun one uh i think of a of a chicken fore and aft right uh-huh. um head facing forward ta- uh yeah. feet facing backward does anybody yeah. go feet facing forward head facing backward or does that seem perverse and weird i'm pretty sure in the dsm five are we up to the five i think so yeah i i think i think in the dsm five that's probably one of the symptoms of schizophrenia right so (laughs) and then so here's the other question if somebody's going east to west or west to east when they're doing starboard like which way is the head pointing is it towards your left ear your port or is the head pointing toward like then we really get like yeah. yeah Yeah, this is well, more then, fun than now, trolleyology. Now we get deeply granular about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. And also, how are you tying it down? Like, and the other person, the other thing is, you could tie it to the side of your head too. That's true. Like a, like you know, but, like a telecom you, you operator. Think, yeah, but but you think about the way the way it's phrased though. If I say on my head. Oh, I thought you said tied to your head. Oh, or no, tied no, on your no. head. Tied on your head. On your or, head. Or yeah. On his head. And, yeah, and the it's... phrase on your head implies on the top of your head. Your ears are on your head. For most... yeah, well, yeah, true. Yeah, you know. Good point. Yeah. So, yeah. No, there, there are any <laughs> number of ways. See, I, I want to see somebody with, with an actual abnormal psych degree. Like, yeah. like I want to hear from a psychiatrist about, like, Please. okay, what does that mean? Yeah. Hit us up on the Twitter. Uh, E.H. Yeah. Blaylock, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So... E.H. Blaylock on Twitter. So, thank you all for yeah. coming to Cock Talk. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Sorry. Oh, okay. What's the timestamp? We don't have producer oh, George with us that's tonight. That's true. What's producer George stamp? would be proud. I'm at a six twenty. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's that's about par for the course. It, it is. It is. All right. So uh, I had to give a ton of context to uh, the Twilight Zone because it comes out yeah. at a time that is rich with context. There's so much going on. There are so many different things happening that are catastrophic changes to the status quo okay uh so i mean there's always so much going on but these are actual catastrophic changes there are people challenging the way of things in so many ways and the way of things is batshit crazy well yeah and 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 you know the the background noise Mm -hmm. was i mean i I think i think right now you and i are living through the closest Mm -hmm. we have ever come in our lifetimes uh, in, in the middle of a global pandemic, right? we are in our lifetimes right now, we're as close as we are, hopefully, knock wood, yeah. ever going to get to the level of 
ambient, oh, fuck, we're all going to die. Right. Existential was, terror? Was, yeah. It, I mean, absolute existential terror. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, um, the, the idea that, no, no, it could happen any day. Mm-hmm. And it felt literally imminent. Yes. Like, like nuclear Holocaust felt to everybody in the world in yes. the 1960s, the way that, you know, the, the, the rapture feels to evangelical mm-hmm. Christians like all the time, which yes. is part of the reason I can't understand that particular branch of evangelical Christianity, but you get what I'm saying. Why? Cause of like, their, their total hope for, uh, the world ending. Well, number one, but, but I, I mean, I mean, how do you, how do you maintain that emotional pitch of no, no man, not only is it like going to happen because mm-hmm. that's in one form or another, that's a part of Christian doctrine mm-hmm. cut across nearly all, all right groups. But, but the idea that to those folks, no, no, it's like, it's imminent. Like, mm-hmm. like we are all living in the time when it's going to happen. Never mind the fact that everybody's been living in the time it's going to happen since the second great awakening. Oh, even before that though, like yeah. there was a gap, well, there was a gap of about 1800 years, uh, yeah. you know, cause like his followers were like, no, he'll be right back. He just went to get some smokes. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but <laughs> he has trouble counting change with the, with the, with the hands thing. Right. Exactly. The dime's just you know. through, you know, that's yeah, why yeah, Judas well. carried all the silver for him. It was, you know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think Easter's coming, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's it's actually it it, it should be busy. noted here from 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 the Catholic uh, that we are recording this on the night of Good Friday. <laughs> yeah, and and just so, just for some sobering statistics, uh, we now have four hundred sixty thousand five hundred seventy five cases of COVID in our country. So if you ever need to backtrack this, if this becomes the uh, the the time capsule. Uh, the audio time yeah. capsule of what's going on. Uh, over sixteen thousand deaths from COVID on Good Friday. Uh, we we have eclipsed everyone else in the world as far as total cumulative deaths. Yeah, and so. and um, I, I just want to point out in a in a somewhat less mm-hmm. uh, sobering note, uh, if our podcast becomes the the time capsule for you know uh, later generations of historians, then man, something is fucked up yeah. ahead of us. Yeah. That, in that's the time stream. Not untrue. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, good Friday to you, sir. Uh, so yeah. at the time that all of this was happening at the time that, and, yeah. and again, if you start by listening to this episode, what is wrong with you? Um, but at the time where all of this is happening, many, many things, yeah. uh, you have, um, Rod Serling writing, the entire time. And Rod Serling was uh, writing all through the 50s, all through the 40s uh, when he got out of the army and into college. And he just kept writing and writing and writing. And he, in his writing, was virulently anti-fascist and very pro-justice, pro-social justice. He wanted to write about those things. And he was a writer, right? So now we're caught up to all the original conditions in which the Twilight Zone was birthed. Yes, sir. Question. Yeah. You talk about how he was very powerfully uh, pro-social justice Mm -hmm. and anti-fascist and all Mm -hmm. of that. Did he run into any problem from McCarthy? Do we know? Like, do we? Because he was he was in he was in the end. He won Emmys. uh, During you know because it was sci-fi, it seemed ghetto-fied. 
or ghettoized. Like it, it ghettoized, yeah. Yeah. It so I didn't run into any stuff where he's dealing or where McCarthy goes after him. Um, but uh it, partly because McCarthy probably was going after Jim Aubrey. Um, and Jim Aubrey was the guy who was in charge of CBS during that time. And Twilight Zone, I, I, I'm going to point it out here, uh, and I will bring it back up later, never was a commercial viability. It really wasn't. No. Um, and I no, think because really. of that, uh, it, it flew under McCarthy's radar. Because uh, there was plenty of other stuff on CBS that was capturing everybody's imagination. Okay. But. Serling's personal motives, right, um, are, you know, he hates Nazis and he likes justice for uh, the beleaguered. Um, his culture's need uh, is is that this shit isn't normal and nor should it be normalized. Um, and and he has the need to call out the injustice and the paranoia that we're all living in. Um, something uh, to point out um, is, is that... It, <laughs> This wasn't normal, even though it was normalizing. So or normalized. Yeah, maybe? yeah. Because by the yeah. time he's writing, yeah, it is fairly normalized. Because um, it's been around like this kind of paranoia has been around since about forty-seven. Um, so he and and this is really the crux of what I'm saying. The Twilight Zone keeps coming back. Every time there's an existential threat that's brought about by institutional paranoia and gaslighting. So we took till the, okay. I'm not a very good writer. Um, my thesis statement shows up in the second episode of uh, a multi-episode thing. But that's essentially it. Uh, the, <laughs> okay. the Twilight Zone keeps coming back and it does come back a number of times um, when there's institutional paranoia and gaslighting. Because someone at some point needs to call out what's happening and the twilight zone bubbles up in that environment and it's not ever commercially successful but it is always coming up in these times where it's not commercially successful and at the same time it is necessary to call these things out okay. and like like we said sci-fi is ghettoized in a way that's safe it's safe for humanity or or society to pretty much ignore it its warnings um, and it's also safe um, for the networks because they're not really shifting the culture in any way. Incidentally, it always comes out under a Republican president. Okay, wait. Yeah. So uh, the original would have been under Nixon. No, Eisenhower. No, Ike. Yeah. I mean, Nixon was a VP, but yes, 59. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay, because the, the election in 60 was Kennedy. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All it right. was Kennedy against Nixon. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. In, yeah. So it was, yeah. And, and we'll get to the other. So it ran for okay. five years and then it stopped. And in the beginning, it was, and I say not commercially successful because it's very often critically quite successful. Although I think the the later iterations were mm -hmm. a touch to nostalgia, which is what a weird goddamn nostalgia that is. Like, hey, remember when the world was fucked up before? It is again. <laughs> well, you know, you know? The, the thing is, it's it's not it's not nostalgia for well, you remember when the world was was fucked up. It's nostalgia for hey, you know, that was a really great 
series. The writing on that was really amazing. And, you know, we, it, and, and, you know, so many elements of the original series became cultural touchstones. True. Um, you know, uh, the, the terror at 40,000 feet. Right. Or 30,000 feet. Um, you know, with, with William Shatner having a nervous breakdown in the cabin of an airplane, mm-hmm. uh, seeing, seeing a gremlin on the, on the wing. Yeah. Um, and that, and that amazing jump scare. Yeah. You know, and then seeing it again with John Lithgow in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, who, yeah. who, you know, that's, which by the way, there's this wonderful episode of third rock from the sun. Cause John Lithgow is the yeah. main character, but Will Shatner is his yeah. boss. And there's a scene where oh they both God. get off of a airplane and they're both shook. <laughs> so good. Such a fun Easter egg. Oh, that's amazing. So. Um, well, and then, and then that, that same episode mm-hmm. got revisited in the, in the most movie. recent interview oh, oh, series. Did it really? No, no, that one's, yeah, no, that, that one. Yeah. See, the thing is that's, that's part of what I'm saying mm-hmm. is those, those stories and those beats. Yeah. Those, those narrative beats mm-hmm. have all become code. Oh yeah, within within our cultural lexicon, actual means. And, 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 yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and and we and we keep coming back to them. Uh, the monster, the monster on Maple Street, right? Or the monsters, monsters, on yeah, yeah, is is you know another one. Um, and I mean, if I thought about it long enough, I could, I could, I could rattle off probably four or five more. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's the nostalgia for Mm -hmm. those stories. And the reason we have the nostalgia for those stories is that on a sub Rosa level, we realize we're living in surreal surroundings. And so we, 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 we want the catharsis of seeing that surreality, in the stories that we're watching. Well, and do you ever get good art during good times? Honestly? Like, I'm not an art expert, so I don't know. But, like, it occurs to me that... And, and the 50s were a special time because Jackson Pollock was all the goddamn rage because you weren't yeah. allowed to express yourself, like, at all. So, yeah. of course, it's just yeah, abstract. It's totally, I showed totally the thing. Up yeah. um, in fact, there was a guy from Michigan, I forget his name, but he even said that modern art is un-American. Uh, and there was a guy in, in the Soviet Union who said the same thing. Modern art is un-Soviet. And it's like, yeah. were you guys at the same orgy? Like, what? How? Okay. You know? <laughs> so, but so well, it, yeah, it's also, you know, remember when art was good. Well, when art was good, it's usually during shit times. I'm, I'm you know, okay. I, 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 I wonder what we need to say about mm-hmm. when art was good. Hello, Geek Timers. This is Producer George, interrupting this podcast to let you know that we have space available. This space could be used to promote your product, book, event, group, even wish a special someone happy birthday. If you're interested in using this space, please contact us on Twitter via private message at Geek History Time. Because, um, you know, I, I think there could be an argument certainly made, uh, and I'd, I'd have to take a look at, at, you know, the historical record, but, you know, um, Shakespeare was 
I mean, during during a significant portion of his career, mm-hmm. um, England was in a pretty good economic circumstance at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would want to say Rockwell, but a lot of his stuff was during the Depression. I was going to say, yeah, and a lot of his stuff and, that and, we and see the, is the only the sanitized freedoms. stuff. Well, granted, yeah. And then the Four Freedoms was, you know, right prior to the outbreak of World War II. Um, but I, I think, I, I think statistically, a safe argument would be that that the majority of really cathartic, powerful art mm-hmm. comes from times of uncertainty when artists just like everybody else Mm -hmm. have that level of angst and that level of of you've used the word paranoia a lot i'm gonna say anxiety i would agree um paranoia was only institutional the anxiety was definitely within the masses yeah oh yeah yeah and and you know and then and then there's you know even even in the midst of times that for society are not so bad mm-hmm. times can be really really shitty for an individual uh True. you know look at for example the life of edgar Allan poe <laughs> yeah you know uh the, the father of of the mystery novel and uh in in one of the founders of the modern horror genre mm-hmm. um you know so i think i think uh, that's that's a generalization that gets made an awful lot, and I think there's something to it, but I, I don't think it's it's necessarily a, a, a universal truth. Okay, that's fair. That way. Well, in the beginning, the Twilight Zone got a lot of good reviews uh, in early television. You know, it's 1959. It was a cut above the rest, and it really was quite different, uh, but commercially, it was not warmly welcomed. Uh, CBS was actually really close to canceling it on it in its first season. And in its second season, season, the new head of CBS, Jim Aubrey, came in. This is 1960. Uh, Jim Aubrey okay. was uh, not an artist. He was a bean counter. He was not an artist. He was an outsider looking in. He is what happens when it becomes a business. Uh, he cut costs as much as he could, uh, and he was regularly eyeing the budget of filming The Twilight Zone. Like, that's how involved he was in cutting costs. Not just, I need to drop things by 5%, but like actually going, we're going to switch to videotape instead of film. Really? It's yeah. Film. Yeah. Um, interestingly, at that time, Serling wins an Emmy for The Twilight Zone, and it also won uh, a, a Unity Award. Uh, for okay. for quote outstanding contributions to better race relations. Oh really? Yeah. And despite this, or maybe because of it, Jim Aubrey was vehement about cutting costs on this show. So it's getting a lot of artistic and critical success. But he's looking at it, it like either either he doesn't like it because it's not a money maker, or he doesn't like it um, because it's challenging. But either way, he's really heading out like trying to cut its head as as hard as he can and the measures that he took would actually end up harming it artistically but it and um it saved far less money than the cost of just filming and producing an episode well you know you you say you know you're not sure if it's because it if he didn't like it because it was challenging or if he right. didn't like it because it wasn't a money maker i i think there's a really good case to be made for porque no los dos you know True. i i think 
we we as the viewing public mm-hmm. have historically since the founding of the genre of television mm-hmm. i think we have we have repeatedly been done a really powerful disservice yeah by television executives mm-hmm who insist that everything has to be made as palatable to a mass audience as possible. And from a strictly statistical standpoint, Mm -hmm. they're not totally wrong. I was going to say, there's a hive feature to that where we end up with good stuff that is palatable to the masses. Cheers, MASH, uh, Lost's first season. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of (laughs) really good, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to argue, uh, I think cheers, we, we can agree on, Mm -hmm. I think mash wound up getting away with an awful lot. Yes, they did. Cause there's some really, there's some really strident subversive as hell. Yeah. Deeply. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, subversive, but not just subversive, but like, you know, finger pointing at the screen, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anvils being dropped kind of oh, stuff yeah. going on. There. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, especially after Alan Alda got, got a lot of sway mm-hmm. with and in the writer's room. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I mean to the point that a, uh, conservative like my father, um, uh, stopped stopped wanting to watch the show oh wow because it was it was so much you know uh anti anti-war peacenik hippie you know uh uh what's the word i'm looking for uh you know uh he yeah just just yeah. the anvils the anvils were just so obvious that he was like yeah whatever bunch of liberal hollywood types and yeah. um you know but but it still had a compelling enough uh, uh, character ensemble and a compelling enough cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, there genuinely was not anybody on that show, right, who was not compelling as an actor. Oh, to very watch. True. Even even Father Mulcahy was really good. Like he was the most milk yeah. toast character, most vanilla character, and he was fascinating. Yeah, you know, yeah, so. um, and and yeah, and, and the writing on it was top notch. Even even when it got kind of obviously, you know, political, strident kind of stuff. Sure. Um, you know, it's easier now for me to to say that because I tend to agree with its stridencies. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, uh, but you know, I, I think I think there are an awful lot of other cases where we get a lot of stuff that is very popular mm-hmm. that is you know, not badly written. No, it's vanilla ice cream. But it's, yeah. And, yeah. and. But vanilla you know, ice cream it, is the top it, seller too. You know, it, it and no one minds well, vanilla yeah. ice cream. You know, it's everybody's second or third choice. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. But so. you know what, what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at though is there's, there is consistently, you know, this, this, um, underestimation by television executives mm-hmm. of of what the viewing public wants you know the viewing public they don't they don't want to be challenged they don't want to have to think 
you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta, why is this character here? Tell me, tell me about this. You know, you gotta, you gotta explain this. Right. And it's like, no man, if you write a good story, people are going to fucking watch it. Yes. You know, except that they're not, um, that's, that's, that's the thing is like commercial success versus it, it doesn't mean it's not good. It just means that it's not popular. And, you know, it, it yeah. that's, that's, and Jim yeah. Aubrey had a case to make with that. He's a really interesting yeah. study, by the way, because he came on, essentially, his career is during the span of the run of Twilight Zone. Uh, and under him, CBS got some of its greatest successes, especially compared to NBC and ABC, which were also nascent. Um, this is right after the quiz show scandals. And uh, he had kind of a Simon Cowell-esque understanding of what the masses enjoy. Um, Simon Cowell has a genius when it comes to knowing what people will like popularly. Never mind if it's good, they're going to like it popularly. Like, he, he made a lot of money realizing that the music from the WWF at the time, WWE, as well as the Power Rangers, would sell massively. That's how... Cowell made his money to start with. So you're kidding me. No, no, there's a lot really? going on. Yeah. So this guy, uh, Jim Aubrey, uh, he said that people want to see quote broads, bosoms, and fun. So the shows. Okay. <laughs> can we? Yeah. Can, can we? Can we take half a second just to sure. unpack how incredibly early '60s, like blatant sexist, like all of that is yes i mean Mm -hmm. i'm going to confess Mm -hmm. in a very blunt crude way he's not wrong but it does work wow yeah in wrestling there's a guy named vince russo who kind of was along the same lines never mind the art of wrestling or anything like that he was all about like no let's let's pop a rating let's show a a woman's boob um so (laughs) give the people what they want yeah and 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 yeah. drag them down with it. Uh, so, so his shows that he promoted were, <laughs> were critically panned, but they were vulgarly quite popular. Um, and he very much okay. Answered, I'm sorry. Yeah. Are you using are you using vulgarly in the uh, classical scholar Latin sense of the Vulgate, or yes. do you mean in the or 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 do you simultaneously mean? <laughs> Uh, in, in the way that it gets used uh, modernly in English. There's a part of me that wants to, but I cannot in good conscience clutch my pearls and say, oh, that was vulgar. Because I think that uh, there is a lot of uh, really good art out there that people consider vulgar. And I'm like, oh, it's just that just didn't appeal to your assumptions. Sorry. You know, so I'm going to go with well, the classical yeah. vulgate. OK. And, yeah. and you're and you're also not a believer in guilty pleasures. To begin no, with. I'm not. So, yeah, exactly. Um, now, uh, he very much answered to sponsors, um, and that influenced all kinds of content. So life magazine did a story on him and they described his methods as quote, feed the public little more than rural comedies, fast moving detective dramas, and later sexy dolls, no old people. The emphasis was on youth, no domestic servants. The mass audience wouldn't identify with maids, no serious problems to cope with. Every script had to be full of action, no physical infirmities. Okay. And then Twilight so. Zone. Like, these are anathema <laughs> to each other. 
Well, you know, they don't necessarily need to be anathema, but they are definitely on different ends of a spectrum. Oh, boy, howdy. And yet in February yeah. of 65, okay, he suddenly and without any explanation is removed from his post. A journalist who covered it uh, said, quote, the fourth president of CBS TV as Caligula was the fourth of the 12 Caesars. Each carried the <laughs> Yeah. Each carried the logic of his imperial authority as far as it could go. Each was deposed and disappeared suddenly, leaving bad press behind him. <laughs> I like the Caligula okay, I'm sorry. bad press. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry, because see, that, that makes me picture some guy in a toga mm-hmm. and a fedora with a press card sticking out of the <laughs> out of the out of the headband. With a tablet uh, and like you know, a wax. Speaking with a yeah, 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 with a, with a, with a wax with, yes, precisely with a, with a wax <laughs> tablet and a stylus. <laughs> speaking speaking in an old newsreel mid Atlantic accent, right. like, no, nah, really, tell me. <laughs> what what's what's a real what's a real skinny here? Come on. <laughs> Claudius, you like mushrooms? Uh, Claudius, yeah. <laughs> so he uh, he he was not liked. Um, Lucille Apparently. Ball, Lucille Ball called him a son of a bitch. Uh, here's a list of people that he screwed over artistically and commercially: Red Skelton, Danny Thomas, and Jack Benny. Okay, back up. Okay, back up. Back. Okay, back up. I'm sorry. Yes. Um. If you screw over Red Skelton, yeah, like the, the church again, as the <laughs> Catholic here, the church doesn't like us saying who's in hell because yeah. doctrinally we can't know. But I gotta say, screwing over Red Skelton of all people, mm-hmm. that that earns you, that earns you a, a like. <sighs> you're, you're next to a guy who had a hot dog on Friday. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> During Lent, yeah. Friday during Lent. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, my uh, God, yeah. He made decisions about their shows without their input. And during season four, the Twilight Zone was made to go to one hour because of sponsors, and that was not a decision that Rod Serling liked. Okay, so when the network cancels Re- Twilight Zone after five seasons in 1964, Serling was pretty burned out. Um, part of it was writing, but also part of it is this constant back and forth with Jim Aubrey trying to nibble at his show. And uh, still, Serling claimed that it was his decision to leave CBS, and he sold his share in the show back to CBS. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay, question. Mm-hmm. You say that you say that um, Twilight Zone had to had to go to an hour. Yes. To satisfy sponsors. Yes. What had it been before? Had it been a half hour? Yeah, it's been a half. The only season where it's an hour long is the fourth season. The rest of the time, it's a half hour show. And I believe in the second season, they switched over to, I want to say, a British studio for a bit. But I think I found out that they were switching over to videotape uh, because the frame rate changes, distractingly so. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. instead of 32 well, and the, and FPS, the... it's 40 FPS. And that makes it unwatchable for me for some reason. Um, so there's certain episodes of The Twilight Zone I've never seen. Because as soon as I start seeing that frame rate, I'm like, I can't pay attention. This is why I've never watched Red Dwarf, by the way. Okay, I can yeah. see that. So, Which and is, I can't. That's the it, bleeding shame. It, it is, but it messes with me. There's a whole fandom I'm sure. subculture that you're like completely missing. Well, and people yeah. pointed out, they said, now there's ways to adjust it. So apparently, I am not the only one who has this problem. So people have figured out ways to adjust it online. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, maybe nice. I'll find All a frame right. rate reducer. So 
again, Twilight Zone was not all that successful commercially, but critically, it was considered a success. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, the population was not as interested in it as they were in rural comedies. Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, that was oh, that was the same time period, mm-hmm. wasn't it? The the right. response that society had at the time to the institutional paranoia being dropped on them regularly was not reflection; it was escape, and this becomes a repeating theme throughout the history of the Twilight Zone. So that's well, nineteen sixty four throughout the mass media. Yes, for that matter. I yes. mean. You know, in in the depression, mm-hmm. uh, Little Orphan Annie True. was you know it, um, you know Captain Midnight, all of all of those radio serial mm-hmm. kind of dramas. So. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. But every time Twilight Zone pops up, it pops up at like the most needed time and the worst possible time commercially. So twenty years later, it pops back up. Okay, so that was sixty four, sixty five. Yeah, yeah sixty. Did I say 64? Yeah, 64. Yeah. In 85, it pops back up. And so CBS owned the rights. So it was cheaper to bring that back than it was to find a new property to produce. So now it is about bean counting to bring it back, which is interesting because that's kind of what drove it away. Um, But we still need to look at why this was considered a good idea in 85. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yes? Ooh, can I guess? Sure. All right. So by that time, mm-hmm. um, the Soviets were in Afghanistan, and we were busy fighting a proxy war against them using the Mujahideen. Yes. Um, and we have all of Iran-Contra and all of the associated scandals mm-hmm. uh, related to that are going on. Mm-hmm. Although in 85, I don't know how much we knew about that yet. Um, it comes we out. We have a president. Okay. Yeah. We have a president talking about the Soviet Union as an evil empire. Mm-hmm. We are at the point where this is 80, if we're talking about 84, 85. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know off the top of my head whether uh, Reagan and Gorbachev have actually reached an arms negotiation yet nope the helsinki there's a lot of overtures for peace but nothing okay okay so what so what that means is everybody's nuclear stockpiles are just about as big as they ever got yep um both sides have enough thermonuclear firepower to reduce the planet to a cinder multiple times over Mm -hmm. literally overkill Uh, yeah. Oh, massive, massive overkill because mutually assured destruction. That's the only way to do it. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, based facts. on the doctrine, it was based on the doctrine that was in existence at the time. That's mm-hmm. that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. I mean, you know, the thermonuclear stuff is is pretty big. Yeah. Um, Which was also oh, big in '59. Well, yeah. Uh, and and we have mm-hmm. uh, an administration here in the United States in power who is who are is our singular administration people within the administration plural uh, who are um, wildly inflating the statistics of Soviet military power in order to justify the expansion of the uh, military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. The same one that Eisenhower um, warned us about as he was leaving in 1960? 
Yeah, yep. as he was yep. as he was leaving in 1960 to be replaced by a Democrat who was a harder Cold Warrior. Yes, which like let's think about that for a second. Mm-hmm. But um, and then and then of course now we're talking about Reagan, who's like right up there with um, Maggie Thatcher in terms of um, you know champion Cold Warriors. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know I learned I learned something um, the other day. This mm-hmm. is completely kind of a tangent, but. Um, when, <laughs> when, um, when Margaret, because uh, we recently found out that the current uh, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom has been hospitalized for COVID. He's literally in the ICU. Last I heard. Yeah. Did he get moved yeah, out. He's yeah. He's he's well. I that I don't know. Okay. But when when that when that came out, there was you know uh, a lot of of chatter in the Twitter sphere in in the UK from a lot of people who were uh, unapologetically um, kind of cackling about, you know, Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ha- having caught the Roni. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of American commentators saying, you know, um, you, you really have to, you know, I mean, I mean, this is, this is just, this is just wrong. You shouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, so gleeful about, about somebody else's suffering, even if it's somebody you hate. Right. And and some some British Twitter commentator said, no, 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 I don't think you understand uh, how much we hated Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> People threw house parties when Margaret Thatcher died. Wow. The British don't fuck and around, do they? No, no, they don't. Wow. And, and Scotland offered um, to dig her grave because I'm trying to remember exactly how it was, but they said, we'll totally dig it, dig it a hole straight to hell. <laughs> I love it. Like, like, um, you know, and, and, you know, just, just talking about, um, you know, leadership and, and cold warriors, sure. Maggie Thatcher and just, no, 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 we'll, we'll happily bury her because we're more than willing to dig a hole to give her an express elevator straight to hell. Nice. Like, and and that was how many decades after she'd been in office? Mm-hmm. Like, no man. If you want to talk about people in the UK not fucking around, the Scots don't fuck around. No, they don't. Because because if anybody in the UK had a reason to despise that woman, besides they're, Ireland, yeah, they're, yeah, they're near the top of the list. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So anyway, sorry. So That's champion okay. Cold War is in power. We oh oh oh. And of course, we've already talked in one of our very early episodes. Uh, we discussed the the jarring rightward shift mm-hmm. that had taken place in the UK and in the United States mm-hmm. with both Reagan and Iron Maggie Thatcher yep. uh, coming into power. Yep. So, what did I miss? Well, I'm going to drop it back a little bit before I move forward. So, uh, the '80s version was better received in the beginning. Okay. Uh, partly due to the cult-like following that Twilight Zone had gained. Uh, syndication's a thing. However, a lot of this was because the show essentially just retread a lot of old episodes. And they did it in color. And in some ways, they did it better. Um, the rest of the show was an anthology of old and new writers. Um, guest stars who were just starting their career. Morgan Freeman was in it. Bruce Willis was in the very first one. Um, my friend is going to kill me because I've forgotten the name of the author of a whole bunch of the episodes. Harlan Ellison, maybe? 
Might have Maybe. been it. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of people who were, uh, you know, just getting started or who were visible um, in... Uh, well, Harlan, Harlan Ellison was a big name. I mean, yeah. if, it's, if it's him, he was he might be. just getting might started. Might be. He would have no, been. he was a writer, but I'm talking about like your your actors. I mean, Bruce Willis is getting in at a time of like moonlighting, you know? Uh, Yeardley Smith, no, 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 not Yeardley Smith. Um, Annie Potts. She just she had just done uh, Ghostbusters. Like there were some recognizable folk. Um, but yeah, uh, Wes Craven. That's the name that's familiar. Oh wow, he, he did a lot of the yeah. writing. So you have really good writers. It's not like you didn't have good writers before, and it's in color. Um, and this time, it's a one-hour time slot that's filled with a collection mm-hmm. of two to four shorter episodes every week. Yeah, so it's it was, much it was, more it an anthology. anthology. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna back it up. Oh, wow. oh yeah, Who, who'd you find? I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the cast list here yeah. from from Google. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you mentioned, Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. George R. R. Martin, yes, who now everybody knows his name. Mm-hmm. But back during that time period, he was very well known in kind of writerly science fiction circles mm-hmm. for some of his work. But but he was not he was not a big popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, figure uh jeffrey tambor yes shelly duvall mm-hmm. um let's see gotta actually get up to the imdb page here but yeah you know there's a um, lot of people yeah, a lot of a lot of names yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of folks we recognize now um let's see but let's see robert downey jr mm-hmm was in three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going down looking for names I recognize. But yeah, yeah. all right. Alan, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's an Alan Smithy writing credit on one there episode There were several. 85. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and Alan Smithy That's is fun. when you put a, na- a fake name because nobody wanted the credit for yeah. it. So, yeah. all right. So I'm going to rewind a little bit because no okay. show pops up just completely fully formed, right? So in 1983, right. the U.S. had invaded Grenada. Uh, A suicide bomber killed over 200 Marines in Lebanon. Uh, The Reagan administration began working on the uh, Strategic Defense Initiative. These are all violent happenings that point to our collective security being a brittle, brittle thing. In 1984, so you've got this bedrock of, of, you know, violence. In 1984, most of the Eastern Bloc had boycotted the Olympics in Los Angeles uh, because because, we had boycotted in 80. Yeah. Um, this highlights a growing discord between two big nuclear superpowers, not a growing accord. Um, the crack ed- epidemic, which was started by the CIA, began making headlines and showing up on the news, um, as did child abduction and pedophilia. Those are getting into the news. It's not like they weren't happening, but people are having to confront them. There were a lot of special episodes. Uh, I remember especially... Uh, different strokes where the guy who owns a comic book shop uh makes dudley drink wine and ends up with his shirt off and it's gross in 1985 here's what's happening well no i mean that show had been around for a lot longer before that but here's what has had had been happening in 1985 so reagan wins his second term winning in a electoral landslide 49 to 1 bobby knight starts throwing furniture onto the court (laughs) Uh, <laughs> WrestleMania debuted. 
Uh, I have to put that in. It's me. Uh, there are well, lots yeah. of bombings back and forth between the CIA and Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah and other groups that the CIA targeted and or supported efforts against. New Coke comes out. Huh. Oh, yeah. Talk and about a flop. Now, do you want to know? Who, do you remember who the spokesman for New Coke was? Bill Cosby? Yes. Now, here's the best part. Do you know that he sued Coke for like $26 million? Because, because his, of the damage it did to his, his, his reputation. Uh-huh. Of getting people to trust him when he offered them something to drink. And we're walking. <laughs> We're walking. Oh, you. Oh, oh, this will get better for you. Ronald Reagan visited yeah. an SS graveyard. Probably what? unwittingly, but he did it. What? Yeah, he went over to Germany. He went to this graveyard. Okay. He's like talking about these brave soldiers and blah, blah, blah. And people are like, um, the SS are buried there. And he's like, I stand by what I said. And we're like, okay. The Unabomber Ooh. steps up his, uh, his campaign. He bombs a couple okay. people in the same year. Several planes crashed that year. Talk about your Was terror. that Lockerbie? Uh, no, Lockerbie came around in 89, I want to say, 87, 89. Oh, okay. No, just what a lot of planes later? fucking fell out of the sky. Um, there was a little girl who was an activist against nuclear war. She was like 12. She died in a plane crash going over there. This is crazy stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in the background of all this, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of nuclear war talk. Uh, like I said, like you had said, there's overtures toward peace, but there's a lot of grandstanding. So it's like, my button is stronger. Could you imagine? Um, the Iran-Contra <laughs> affair is about to break open. Um, okay. And the threat of nuclear war by 1985 had both dissipated and increased. It had become, as we've often said, part of the background noise. Um, but and, and in my notes, it says, as we're fond of mentioning, um, and at the same time, <laughs> Its intensity that, had, had actually increased multiples due to the increased severity of the threat under a president who's a former movie actor. Well, it had it had it had become it had long since become background noise, but the volume of that background noise kept creeping was up. climbing. And again, the 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 noise was getting increasingly discordant and screechy. Um, and again, uh, it's more severe because there's a man who is a former movie actor who is now president who thinks that reality and movies are the same thing and who thinks that like, you know, how you are viewed popularly uh, is how policy should be guided. I'm talking about what led up to 1985 and into 85 because this is what was in the zeitgeist when we talk about the second attempt at the Twilight Zone, which is now in color and when it got its start. Okay. Hold on, I, w I want to interject. You're talking sure. about, you know, the the intensity of of that, mm -hmm. and Reagan thinking that the world worked like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a, a movie. Um, I want to point out that um, his uh, his his hot mic moment was in '84. Oh wow! Yes, um, I'd forgotten about that. You know. My fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today I signed legislation that will allow student religious groups to begin. Okay, hold on. Prior to the speech itself, um, my fellow Americans, I'm pleased to tell you today that I've signed legislation that will outlaw Russia forever. We begin bombing in five minutes. Yes. This sort of uh, uh, was uh, not uncommon for yeah, was not uncommon for Reagan. Um, where was it? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, he he mm -hmm. he joked around during sound checks, but like, I'm sorry, um, joke. Yeah, like, 
and and of course, you know, as I've as I've mentioned like multiple times every time this story comes up because it's it's one of my favorites uh, from the Cold War uh, that that literally led to the entire Soviet defense grid lighting up. Yeah. Like like <laughs> Yeah. And and in a in a very gallows humor kind of way, I still find it really funny that like that many thousand guys went, oh shit mm-hmm. simultaneously. Oh yeah. Like there there you there know. are gallows humor's moments that I, I don't need yeah. to list here, but that uh, that yeah. delight me and tickle me. Um mm-hmm. not the least of which Boris uh being in the ICU. Um karma. Yeah. So here's what's going on in eighty five. A lot of anxiety, yeah. a lot of existential yeah. stress, and a lot of uncertainty. The threat of nuclear war is coming back to the front pages, to the front pages, partly due to the efforts of actually bringing about an end to the hostilities. And this is a very clear echo of 1959. Eisenhower was also trying to draw everything down, and it was only mm-hmm. stepping up. In fact, there's this wonderful discussion uh, that Ike and Khrushchev had. Um, and he said, uh, you know, through the interpreters, he said, you know, every time I want to draw down our nuclear weapons, my generals say that you are just about to invent the next big thing. So we have to stay ahead of you. And Khrushchev says, that's funny because my generals keep telling me the same thing. (laughs) And it's just so butter battle book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's other things echoing too, by the way. So in 1959, it was much harder to ignore the civil rights movement as yeah. was the growing distrust of the young due to their use of pot. Uh, much bigger deal to the square community in the 60s, but the ground was swelling, right? Um, yeah. And that's happening again in the 80s. There's just a different drug now, okay? Um, okay. And, and, and the, the rise of hip-hop is making, and the, the rise of uh, the crack epidemic, again, started by the CIA, is making it very hard to ignore the black community again. It's yeah, and, echoes. And, it's not the same, but it is echoes. Well, yeah, but yeah. what's what's sorry, uh, but what's what's interesting mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. is in in the nineteen early sixties, mm-hmm. it was you know the civil rights movement, which of course um, you know Serling was uh, you know a very a very vocal, um, sometimes sometimes not very artful right. um, supporter of. Uh, you know, reporters in Alabama indicate that it's especially dark. Um, right. <laughs> I don't remember the title of the episode in question. But it was like, man, you really had to drop that fucker, didn't you? Yeah. That's an animal. Um, you know, some of them need to be dropped, of course, but still, man. Um, and um, so then, then it was. Well, it, I guess what I'm what I'm getting around to is in in mm-hmm. both cases it is a very targeted level of uncertainty or, mm-hmm. or a very, very specific uncertainty there for the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. Very much that, so. Yeah. Like, and, and funny. And the funny thing about it in the eighties is like, if you want to talk about who should have been really worried about the crack epidemic, mm-hmm. it, it was the folks who were actually, you know, having their children and their, you know, siblings and members of their community, having members of their community die from it. Right. But the hand wringing and the pearl clutching all mm-hmm. came from Nancy Reagan and, you know, uh, white suburban. Well, it was a way to dog Karen whistle moms. too. 
it was a way well, to yeah, step oh, up the yeah, prison well, industrial complex. I mean, there, there were a lot of moving parts on that. So at yeah, first, The Twilight Zone was popular in the 80s, writing largely on people's misremembered nostalgia, but also the success of syndication for less successful shows like The Twilight Zone. Uh, just the same reason that like Star Trek is just ineffably like very, very popular, which also had a second run in the 80s um, because of uh, syndication. Well, later in the 80s, but yeah. yeah well, 87. Yeah. It's only two years later. But yeah, it, again, it's uh, okay. 20 years after the, the last one started. Wait, back up. Hold on. Sure. 80. Somehow I had thought it was 89. No, TNG started in 87. Maybe I'm thinking about when it actually got good. Yeah. There's Maybe a couple Pulaski episodes that were Riker, good. Riker, well, yeah, but when, when Riker when Riker grew the beard, it got a lot better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but pretty quickly, it sees a repeat of its prior lack of success. Now, now here's what is more attuned to people's tastes. Webster, Mr. Belvedere, um, and, uh, and different strokes. Apparently, people liked having Shetland African-Americans. Um, but <laughs> caught you drinking. That. Ow. <laughs> um, but they, they wanted, uh, well, who were wise asses. Um, so mm. they, they didn't mind black people on screen as long as they were physically smaller. Non-threatening. Right. Framed, framed. Confrontational, in a, but, but jokingly. Yeah, yeah. And, and framed in a. Raised by white framed people. Framed in a raised by white people framed framed in a context of being fish out of water amidst yes. comforting levels of whiteness everywhere <laughs> yeah look and, how they don't fit and, yeah yeah and and um, portraying very much a mm-hmm. uh, a jester kind of figure if we're going to oh, talk Jesus, about that's science Mr. fiction Belvedere too yeah yeah fish out of oh, water yeah. smug british housekeeper yeah. who's a smart ass yeah 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 okay yeah um or and, collection and, oh go on well, just just you know the the you know ghettoization of science fiction as mm-hmm. the genre that is the the court jester. Yes. Uh, to go back to William Gibson, mm-hmm. who I quoted in our last episode. Yeah. Um, you know we we need mm-hmm. on a subconscious level to have somebody poke holes in our our illusions, but we we prefer that it be done. Uh, in a in a funny non-threatening way mm-hmm. and um, in in none of its incarnations has the Twilight Zone been funny or non-threatening true true uh, you know what was funny certainly... and non-threatening though what a bunch of drunk people in Boston oh yeah and yeah and on a drama level by the way because it's not like drama wasn't okay. big in the 80s yeah. Um, oh, geez. Oil families in Texas Dallas. that can't stop scheming against each other. Well done. Yeah. Um, one of them <laughs> ends up on his deathbed because his ex sister in law ran him down in an insane rage. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Is that JR or Bobby? No, that's Bobby. JR okay, gets shot. Okay, Bobby got run down. JR yeah. got shot. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and then it turns out it was all a dream, right? Uh, Good lord. A cop drama featuring the former captain of the Enterprise and Heather Locklear. Oh my god. And who wouldn't be attracted to a comedy about four girls who are living with their former nutritionist above her bakery, which burned down in the same year? Wow. I mean, you take the good, you take the bad. 
Take right. the bad. You take them both. There you have it. There you have yeah. the facts of life. <laughs> so there uh, did seem to be a saturation of the market too. Um, <laughs> because not only did Twilight Zone come out in that year, but so did Alfred Hitchcock Presents in Color, which had also come out at the same time. And so did Amazing Stories, which was kind of a uh, Spielbergian version of Outer Limits. So anthology series were evidently a proven commodity and fairly cheap to make, but the other two were way more family-friendly and escapist. Twilight Zone, at its core, was far more reflective, and the ratings showed we still don't want that again. But it is interesting to note that some of the first episodes dealt directly with nuclear war. So they tried reflecting. By the way, the, you know, well, yeah. they they did. Mm-hmm. I I think I think there's 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 other elements to that also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talked about Alfred Hitchcock presents. Mm-hmm. There, that is catharsis mm-hmm. because you're dealing with the thriller genre, true murder mystery or thriller genre, which has that adrenaline. And, and it's wrapped up in an hour. That, that hit, and it gets, but it gets wrapped up in an hour, and you get a comforting ending to it all. Uh, and Amazing Stories was straight up escapism. It yep. was fantasy slash sci-fi. And I mean, there were, I remember there were a couple of episodes of that show that were really freaky. Mm-hmm. But most of them were pretty, pretty happy, fluffy Jim Henson, you and, know, Spielberg and they weren't dark. Kind, of, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They were affirming. Yeah. And yeah, they, they were, they were affirming. They were positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Twilight Zone mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent Outer Limits. Yeah. But Twilight Zone particularly has always been, when it's been really good mm-hmm. artistically, mm-hmm. it's been subversive. Yes. And the others were affirming, like I said. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And and I think I think the other thing that wound up dooming mm-hmm. uh, the Twilight Zone was not just we don't want to be reflective. Right. We, we want to escape. We don't. We don't. We don't want to have to you know actually face our demons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing is it did lean really heavily on mm-hmm. nostalgia. Yes. And when they ran out of the old ideas, they didn't have another Rod Serling to write shit for them anymore. Yeah, but look at the people they did you have know, doing the writing. Those were some really good fucking writers too. Well, they during, were. during the first during the first season. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, later later seasons. I don't know if they still because again, we're talking about budgets and we're talking right. about you know viewership falling off. I don't know if they could get Harlan Ellison or George R. R. Martin. Well. The second season had an hour-long runtime, but it switched to Saturdays because of poor ratings. So it's not even that they had bad writers. They just weren't getting the ratings. And then it got switched to Saturday nights, which is death for any show, um, except for like two of them. Uh, And it was canceled that year. And then it got brought back after a gap year. Um, And it's really kind of the same stuff that we saw under Jim Aubrey. Format changes, day changes, etc. And then it was just gone again. Until Mm -hmm. 2002. Now, this time it only lasted for a season. And for the same exact reason. It's not commercially viable. But we need to look at what happened uh, leading up to it. Okay? So it's 2002. All right. Nothing happened. Not a damn thing. No crises. No president who had created a situation in which an existential threat to our existence through bad policies. No inheritance of a world obsessed with stability. Total coincidental that a show that shows us about our culture using this format popped up again. So now we're going to move on to 2019. 
back up. Oh, what? Hold on. Did I miss something? Who actually? Yeah. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not saying necessarily you missed something, oh, but okay. in 2000, or it was 2002. You said. Yeah. So I mean, nothing had happened. Like it, we were. No. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, there there wasn't there wasn't the same level of of existential dread. Not at all. Uh, who did it in 2002? Was it still CBS? CBS, and with Forrest Whitaker as the host. Okay. And a whole shit ton of really? guest of guest stars. Yeah. Jessica Simpson was in it. Um, there, I mean, yeah. Oh, they had tons of people that end up like really making their bones in the mid two thousands, and it only the lasted fuck? a season. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna say until you mentioned two thousand two, I, I don't know if I ever even noticed that it happened at the time. But if I did, yeah. I had completely forgotten about it. Was there something happening in your life that that was important then? Because like. Back then, there was nothing important that happened in this country in 2001 and 2002. Nothing at all. Especially during the beginning of the 2001 TV series or the 2002 TV series. Like, nothing important happened in this country. Well, I mean, it's the 2000 election here. was a complete boondoggle. Well, okay. We all, but... we all had, we all had the, the brief, absolute, you know, panic mania of um, Y2K. Right, right. But I'm talking like 2001, 2002. Like, there's nothing important historically that happened there at all like just absolutely nothing i'm sorry 2001 yeah like what nothing nothing not a damn like thing how many episodes have you spent ranting about the fall of 2001 i don't i don't know Ruined what you're talking shit. about what do you repeatedly what what do you mean september of 2001 yeah um fucking kidding wh- what <laughs> nothing happened i don't it just no there was no existential threat to us whatsoever in 2001 i don't okay right yeah uh-huh. <laughs> right. It ruined Enterprise. Well, I, you know, we that's coincidence. I, I don't Ad nausea. <laughs> no. No. Fuck you. <laughs> there was a point like to four minutes. Trying to race past this would so you hard. like <laughs> Would you like me to reread the paragraph that I said? Yeah, no. I, this will prove okay. it. No crises, no president who has created a situation in which an existential threat to our existence through his bad policies exists, no inheritance of a world obsessed with stability, no, a total coincidence that a show like this shows us about our culture using this format pops up again. Totally coincidental. So nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't even bother researching it. I just know. Nothing to do with no, like nothing. Well, wait, nothing. that was what the 30th anniversary of Pinochet, right? That was... Okay, before I say what I'm about to say, I need to clarify for our audience, of course, that we are doing this via Skype. <laughs> so you that I'm are not really punched. lucky. Yeah, that, that is the only reason I, that, that the audience has not heard a very loud set of thuds as I reach across the table <laughs> and slam your head into the, into the table, solving your problem about your nose having been broken 20 times, but doing it probably three or four more. Are you kidding me? Well, I don't, you know what? We're out of time for this show, so let's just skip that time, and then yeah. I'll come back for the 2019 iteration. So, so okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn it. Okay. So in 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 2002, uh-huh. we were uh, getting into a, another war in, in, into a war in the Middle East for the second time in in. Just over a decade. I'm sorry, the show's running long. We're going to have to we stop were, and we'll just assume you. that people...
so, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, I think intellectual honesty should be, should be called on here to point out that maybe somebody got the idea mm-hmm. to revive that series because, you know, September 11th happened. Um, maybe. I mean, I guess. Uh, I mean, the scalar, the scalar issues that you're talking about, the, yeah. the level of existential everything might not be there, which might be the reason it only managed to last for that brief right. period of yeah. time. But some group of executives had to be fucked up enough mm-hmm. uh, to to have said, "Well, you know, uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Rod Serling, man, maybe, you know." See, I don't just think saying. anybody was that cynical. I think they were just reacting and, and they're sitting around going, all right, we need we need an idea for a show. We have a half hour gap or we have a one hour gap. What do we got? And somebody's like, how about Twilight Zone? People are like, fuck it. Let's go with it. You know, but I don't yeah. think that Dana Carvey's movie um, coming out at that same time was really <laughs> that big a problem for our country. I still don't know why you're making such a big deal about September 11th, 2001. I mean fucking hate you anyway moving on <laughs> fine 2019 <laughs> well actually it, it has been uh, a, a good episode and this is a good good stopping point okay. um, and we'll pick it up in the next week's episode <laughs> okay. of 2019 right. um and uh so uh <laughs> you <Jesus. laughs> i'm not gonna ask what you're reading i'm gonna ask what you're drinking because you you're gonna need a belt after you give me a belt oh two or three <laughs> um right now I, uh, earlier in the evening, I, I finished off a, uh, not small bottle of, uh, Brother Thelonious Belgian style Abbey Ale. I'm so proud of myself. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. God damn it. And, and, you know, I had thought, you know, I drank a lot earlier. I shouldn't have another beer. And I went and got myself a sparkling water at one point when we paused. And yeah. now, now I'm going to need another goddamn beer. <laughs> If only just to break the bottle over my head. Bastard. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Virtually. Okay. <laughs> Figure out how to do that. Uh, all right. So, well, if you want to reach so, out to yeah. commiserate with uh, with Ed here, um, where can they find you on social medias? Uh, on on the Twitter machine, I'm at E.H. Blaylock. Mm-hmm. Uh, on uh, Instagram, I'm at Mr. Blaylock. Mm-hmm. And how about you? I'm at Duh Harmony, both on the Twitter and the Insta. Um, so you can find me there. You can also find me on twitch.tv forward slash capital puns every Friday night at 830. Hell yeah. As well as every Sunday night at 830 on twitch.tv forward slash calling it in the ring. Where I and Johnny Taylor, local comedian as well as world traveling comedian, uh, break down different wrestling matches every every week. Ooh, so we're starting right. that this coming Sunday. Uh, so those Very things are cool. happening. And now for the really fun part. Hey, Ed, what'd you glean from this episode? <laughs> Aside from the fact that my podcast partner is an asshole. Um, I, I, think, I think what really struck me uh, in, in thinking about it is the extent to which our generation mm-hmm. gen x mm-hmm. um has spent our entire lives mm-hmm. uh on one level or another dealing with some kind of existential dread yeah 
like like you know the boomers were born into the the cold war yeah and they 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 suffered through dealing with that and now and and then we came into the cold war you know when it had become you know the background noise of our daily lives like we keep talking about mm-hmm. and then and then we had this great moment in our early adulthood mm-hmm. where it looked like we had beaten that and we weren't going to have to deal with any more yes. of this like oh my god the world is going to fucking end we're all going to die yeah you know that stuff wasn't going to be a problem anymore because the evil empire as we had all been raised from childhood to view it had fallen apart and then and then 2001 happened and we realized no we fucked that up and is that because Cheryl Crow then, didn't get her album released at that time? Yes. She had to wait yes, until the summer. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> and 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 since since our own our own blowback, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, the, the chickens came home to roost Boy, in that way. Um, we have now had to deal with. Uh, watching the generation after us now having to deal with a different kind of existential issue in that, you know, the kids I'm teaching, the kids we're both teaching, even though the ones you're teaching are older than mine, mm-hmm. um, they have all grown up in a world where we are just constantly at war mm-hmm. in the Middle East. Perpetual we, we war. Always, yeah. We, we have always been at war with, with East, East Central Asia. Asia. <laughs> Central Asia, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, we, we see, you know, the memes on Facebook and on, on all over the internet about, you know, uh, how millennials are reacting to stuff and how, you know, uh, boomers are reacting to stuff. And then the, the picture is always whenever Gen X gets mentioned and we don't always, mm-hmm. but when we do, it's always, you know, here we are with a gigantic martini glass, you know, cackling mm-hmm. because like, <laughs> yeah, well, we saw this before. Right. You know, and, and, um, just, just, I don't know, the, 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 the weight of realizing how we have never gotten away from that Mm -hmm. really hit me. Yeah. You know, how about you? Well, as I think we said before in our, uh, very depressing COVID episode, um, the students who are graduating this year were born because of 9-11, many of them. Um, and in the four years that they've been in my high school classes, 9, 10, 11, and 12th graders, they have seen calamity after disaster after calamity after catastrophe after pandemic. Like, And <laughs> that's been their norm. And it's yeah. it just it, it worries me because it feels like the the drain is the the circles are getting tighter and faster in the drain, um, and I I just want to grab them and tell them by the way this is not normal, um, you got a really bad draw, and I worry that I'd be lying, I mean I'll I'll find out in four more years, um, and I'm not talking necessarily presidentially, I'm talking just. If this goes on for eight years, then this has been a problem. And by the way, when they were in middle school and in, and ele- late elementary school, yeah. the, the the economy collapsed. Like True. It's just never not been shitty for them, and that worries yeah. me. It really does. 
Um, no, I totally understand that. Yeah. But uh, we are running up into a hard deadline, so I'm going to stop it there. I'm just going to plug one more time, twitch.tv forward slash capital puns and twitch.tv forward slash calling it in the ring. Uh, Please come and check those out. One on Friday at 8.30 and one on Sunday at 8.30, respectively. All Uh, right. So, and in the meantime, for uh, A Geek History of Time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until the next time, don't go through the doorway. (laughs) 